0: Business Wrap. Business Wrap of the Day on Metro FM Talk with Ayabonga 16
1: minutes it is after 7pm. We kick things off and uh, we take a look at the latest in the world of money and power. And uh, Akwana Mlamlele is my guest uh, this evening, Portfolio Manager, 274 Investment Managers. Akwana, good evening and welcome.
0: Good evening, Ayabonga. How are you this evening? I'm well, thank
1: you. I'm well, thank you. And uh, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Akona, I want us to start off, I guess, with the smoke and the daggers around Zolani Matthews. Now, mm. we know uh, over the course of the last few days or so, there's been all manner of things. Initially, quite security breach. Uh, you know, we then later heard that it had to do with the fact that he has, you know, a citizenship, uh, uh, a British citizenship. Um, and then we heard that he had disclosed this or he had not. Um It seems all of this is smoke and daggers and uh, one of the trade unions there seems to think this is part of the sabotage that is unfolding Mm. in many of our SOEs.
0: Yeah, so the United National Transport Union, um, UNTU, um, came out today just indicating that they were thrown by surprise um, by this elevation in terms of um, Mr. Matthews being put on suspension. Mm. And they've also indicated that they're not too happy about it. And as you kindly indicated, this suspension is with regards to the dual, um, him holding a U.K. passport and dual, um citizenships um, with regards to British citizenship, mm. and that's taking place. Um, however, the union um, has indicated that it is efforts that, particularly um, unknown efforts that we know of, that are uh, of taking place in an effort to sabotage, to deliberately sabotage some of the state-owned enterprises. Um, so the union has expressed that they deserve satisfaction, um, and they aren't too happy about this. And as we indicated, with the reports coming in at the beginning of the weekend on the, on the suspension, um, however, there has been reports that um, back and forth that this was disclosed um, to the, um, during the vetting processes. Um, but however, um, however, this news came in at the beginning of the month. Uh, A letter was received by Praslav, which communicated um, the shock in terms of this realization with their currency and investigation, investigating currency. You know,
1: call it's quite unsettling. I mean, you know, this is one of the entities where uh, you really need massive turnaround. I mean, we've mm. seen the stripping of the infrastructure. This is, you know, a public good that services particularly poor working-class communities mm. in South Africa. Yeah, you so know.
0: it's necessarily providing real services mm. um, to um, members of the public and it is one of the major pillars in our economy in terms of boosting um, our productivity and also stimulating the economic growth um, for South Africa. However, we've seen the infrastructure um, taking place that has been dilapidated over the years. Uh, We've seen management and also a new Mm -hmm. board that was appointed um, in October of last year um, taking place, which the board hadn't um, hadn't been in effect um, since 2017. Um, So it is um, disappointing that this particular national treasure of ours that can be used to uplift the economy and create some growth and provide um, much-needed railway to transport um, to um, consumers and to the communities, unfortunately, um, is struggling um, and is not um, playing its part in being part of the solution um, that we um, urgently need. Mm, mm.
1: Yeah, and this is one we're going to be uh, following quite closely there, but uh, it certainly does, I guess, you know, uh, put pay to many of uh, the, um, you know, uh, drive towards turning this around. And uh, I think mm-hmm. what UNTO was saying there was they had felt that uh, well, this uh, Mr. Matthews had um, yeah, done well to, uh, I guess, um, stabilize the situation there. Now suspending him is not only sabotage of process, but sabotage of the economy as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, let's shift away from that one and. Um, Come back to the Pityana matter. Now, uh, this has been going on for a while, and uh, a lot of this having to do with what he felt was undue influence of the Prudential Authority in the decision of APSA and not to nominate him as the chairperson of the board uh and uh, talk to me maybe just give for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with this particular story as it relates to absa uh, and of course i guess sexual uh, harassment allegations leveled against uh, pityana uh in his capacity as uh, chair of anglo gold ashanti what happened here and uh, i guess what's the latest development now uh, with the prudential authority also uh, 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 filing their responding papers yeah so
0: maybe just to provide some context for the listeners um it was particularly towards the um, tail end of last month, of October, um, where um, Sipobijana um, disclosed that he is taking steps um, towards um, the prudential authorities in particular um, court, um, for allegedly blocking the appointment um, of APSA chair. Um, so he has um, indicated and communicated and filed in papers um, that he will be taking the prudential authority um, for they, um, blocking the appointment um as we know, we have all, um, APSA has already um, appointed um Seno Moloko, um, who will be replacing the outgoing um chair um Wendy Lucas Bill. So um he's taken um he took that filing um, towards the end of October and also the Predation Authority um, has provided an update because they have indicated in their filing of the papers today um, that they are denying the claims that mc um, has put forward um with regards to um the head of the body um Kuben Naidi, um who they have indicated unlawfully conducted an informal process which has blocked um, his access um chair nomination so yes so the um, the filing which was was lodged by the Prudential authority um with regards to the papers that mc um, filed in the court last month um which includes the the claim that the head of PA, Kubernaidu, unlawfully conducted an informal process with the Board of AFSA to block his nomination. And this is obviously, um, pending what you mentioned, and Ayabonga, um, some of the allegations um, that came through in his previous post as Chair of Anglo Gold, where he, he did leave that post. Um, however, um, those allegations um, are, are, are full allegations with regards to that. So um, this is where we are at today with the filing of the PA authority. In, in terms of the, the way forward in terms of this. So um, we do our way for the courts to decide on the way forward. Um, both parties have filed papers in terms of um, counter-arguing each other and providing uh, some feedback on the, some context in which the courts will be the ultimate decider of this particular challenge. Mm, mm.
1: You know, w- when you look at this particular one, I guess um, it does quite a bit in uh, being able to educate all of us as people in the public of uh, what lengths banks have to go to to nominate directors, to nominate management teams, and uh, to nominate, I guess, uh, specific independent directors who might be chairing particular committees at a board level?
0: Yeah, so particularly in this particular event, um, APSA did um, indicate that it followed its own um, internal regulatory process. Um, But when we um, heard of the story last month, um, in terms of some of the companies or the banks particularly who do um, uh, um, fall under the prudential authority. Um, they do um, have to, um, with regards to nominations, be it directors or chairs, um, they do um, get um, an advisory or um, some comments from the PA authority mm. in terms of the directives that they put forward. Um, this is in terms of if these um, particular individuals are fit um, and proper and, and in terms of if they are standing in terms of their duties and will they be able to conduct themselves in an ethical manner and do the job that um, they have been appointed or, or look, to be, look to be appointed to in, in those particular roles. Mm,
1: mm. Now, uh, a lot has been said. Let's shift our attention away from that one and uh, go to ESCOM, uh, seemingly the Achilles heel of the South African economy. A lot said, uh, and I remember about two years ago, Cosatu uh, as well coming out with a plan where they felt you know, this was the plan to address uh, the massive then around over 400 billion rand uh, debt albatross around the neck of escom uh, and at that time one of the suggestions that was put on the table was a debt for equity swap uh, mm-hmm. especially with the government employee pension fund so a proportion of uh, the debt owed to the gpf would be converted into some form of equity and uh mm-hmm. I guess, special purpose vehicle and all manner of other things mm-hmm. now the gpf says uh, well yeah we've been reading that in my but Nobody has come to us. Least of all, our fund manager, which is the (laughs) public investment corporation, which ostensibly has been said, has been in discussions uh, with uh, ESCOM and maybe others around uh, potentially undertaking this uh, debt for equity
0: swap. Yeah, so the South African Government Employee Pension Fund, the GPS, um, whom we all know is the biggest investor in ESCOM holdings through the debt, the bonds that they hold. Um, have heard about all these discussions that are taking place um, Mm. with the fund manager, the PIC, um, and also this initiative in terms of the debt equity swap um, has also been backed um, by the um, various labour unions. Um, However, um, um, Sifiso Sibia, who is the investment head at the GPS, um, has indicated, yes, they've heard about these talks, um, with regards to the fund manager, the PIC. Um, however, no formal approach or proposal has been made to them. Um, however, he did indicate that should this be ahead or proposal um, be um, put forward to them, a and, and number of factors in terms of interest, in terms of the returns, expected returns for their portfolios, and then the investment outcomes of the portfolios um, would need to be um, be at the top of the uh, top of the agenda, um, as these are members' um, investments that are currently being entrusted with the PIC, um, with regards to GPS. So the GPS currently holds about 82 billion of ESCOM bonds, um, and also in terms of the we know the utilities um, debt um, is one of the biggest concerns that is facing the fiscus at the moment, um, and some of the, the, the debt or the nominal bonds. That they currently hold um are due in 2026 um which a return of just under nine percent um however we know the company has been struggling quite significantly um with running costs uh, and also the gps has continued to remain concerned uh, not only with regards to escom but other um, state-owned enterprises um, because as indicated and reported um the gps currently has around 90 percent of its debt in government guaranteed which it hopes to get back um, when these do mature um, in 2026. 2026.
1: Uh, what would this mean, I guess, in the broader context of the restructuring of ESCOM? I mean, um, because as, as many people would know, you know, the issues at ESCOM don't only have to do with uh, what's happening in its balance sheet and the debt it's carrying. There's a lot of operational issues that have to do with how it generates electricity and uh, you know, uh, the current state of health of uh, that generating fleet.
0: Yeah, so ESCOM, as we know, um, needs a number of um, support, um, particularly um, government support. Um, it has um, proposed government support of approximately 150 to $200 billion um, in order to half its debt. Um, however, no agreement to date has been reached. Mm. Um, so um, ESCOM does look to resolve some of these matters. Um, as you know, and it, it's not only the debt that, that they are currently looking to um, get assistance with, but also the municipalities They've got an an outstanding municipal debt um, that is in excess of billions, and they need to obviously connect that from municipalities in order for it um, to keep um, running um, as as an organization. Mm. Um, So, yes, um, these measures need to be taken. Um, However, I think the bigger hurdle that they do face is the municipality debt, um, which is um, costing them quite significantly. And the other option that they do have, and the only option currently, because um, there aren't a lot of bonds in um, any holders who are running to get to their nominal bonds. So th- these are some of the initiatives that they need to um, effectively deploy. But however, currently they are dependent on government to provide that support and um, that they currently need to um, harvest debt.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess the last one just on this particular issue I mean, being able to deal with the debt in this particular way. What implications does it have for the quality of uh, whatever debt ESCOM might have to issue down the line? Because, you know, you don't run a utility of that size without having some access, you know, to credit lines or to the ability to go out and issue some bonds in the capital market.
0: Yeah, so in order for bondholders to get some confidence that, um, that their money will be received at maturity, um, they'll need to um, get some form of confidence and how bondholders do that, is they do due diligence on some of the particularly um, particular entity, and its um, ability, and who will be guaranteed some of those bonds should they not be able to get it back. And obviously, some of these bonds are guaranteed by government. Um, however, mm-hmm. um, going forward, um, I don't think government will guarantee uh, quite a lot of these bonds. So, bond issuers and um, bond holders looking forward will look to do their homework on if particularly ESCOM will be able to pay them back. Um, However, also the the credit rating, um, particularly of the agency, um, is very much important. That's what a lot of um, not only our domestic um, bondholders look for, but also international um, bondholders who look for to pick up yield. As we know, globally, um, yields are at an all-time low, particularly there and some other countries, particularly Europe, um, we've seen negative yields. So, yes, there's a search for yield by um, foreign Mm. um, bondholders, but they also are cognizant about the risk. That's the work that needs to be done, particularly for this entity um, to be able to take bondholders um, going forward so they don't find themselves in the situation where we currently sit with Land Bank, um, who has defaulted to some of these bonds.
1: I mean, how big is the risk of cross-default here? Uh, you know, I remember when we were talking about the Land Bank and their default, one of the big fears was, you know, from a, I guess, contingent liability perspective, so in simple terms, from guaranteed debt, if we think about all the debt, where if they don't pay, the government, you know, then has to cough up all of the money. I mean, mm-hmm. well, what are the risks here of uh, across default if you don't deal with some of the debt, be it at ESCOM, Land Bank, or even some of the other entities? And, uh, yeah, some people are even saying even at a
0: municipal level. Yeah, so the bondholders will have to wait. Um, so they won't get the, the yield that they expected to go, um, hold. And also some of these bonds are held in some of um, pension funds. Mm. Um, so pension funds, um, unfortunately... Um, those assets will fit um, as an equi- as a equity or nominal bond holding and won't be able to be, it will it, be essentially illiquid mm. um, until there are plans of restructuring the entity in terms of um, finding an opportunity to unlock the value and unlock um, some of the funds that need to be returned to the bond holders.
1: Sure. I feel you. Okay. Akwana, uh, maybe a last one here. I mean, I, I, I only found out today about... Tapestry Home Brands? I mean, I I know some of their brands, but I never knew uh, of an entity uh, on the back end doing design, manufacturing, and other things, um, and really operating as a group in this way. Tapestry Home Brands, who's that?
0: Yeah, so um, Tapestry Home Brands, um, our listeners will be quite familiar with some of these retailers, particularly um, Currycroft, Dallabed, and Valpes, um, who do some to um, and various other um, products that they um, do sell to consumers. Um, so yes, um, Petco, who um, released some staggering performance of numbers, particularly towards the tail end of last week, um, mostly registering an excess of about an excess of 100% in profit, um, is one of the players that is reported to be um, approaching um, the, particularly the private equity firms that hold um, these particular brands who look to exit um, because the retailer is looking to um, make an, an, an interest, uh, particularly to the SA furniture um, industry. So, yes, um, um, Pepco, um, which looks to diversify, um, is said to be approaching um, to make a, a bid, and various other bidders have been made very bids to obviously come to and purchase um Craft and dialogue Chain um, in order to expand their furniture and bedding business. Um, which is a strategy that the PEDCOR, which has decreased um, it's, uh, particularly its debt quite significantly from $7 billion to about $5 billion currently, and also looks to grow. Um, it, it has grown quite significantly, um, particularly in mm-hmm. the last year, having opened about 247 new stores um, across the country. And it's looking to grow, and it's having done well, particularly in the lower Asian LSM with regards to some of their stores, Beep, Ackermans and Tiki Town and Incredible Collections, um, which are some of the, mm. the brands that have um, delivered such significant performance. So this particular um, holdings um, company um, looks to make some further acquisitions in order to expand and provide some um, further great investments um, for some shareholders.
1: What would this mean under the Pepco stable? I mean, we know Pepco specializes in the lower end of the segment. Uh, what would this mean for them if they did get? Because some of these brands, I mean, mid level, some quarry, like Quarrycraft, is not, you know, um, I mm. mean, low end uh, by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Yeah, so um, they do have incredible connections, which um, does service the more um, upper, in a sense. Mm. Um, So, as I indicated, it would um, initiate a, mostly a, a diversified revenue scheme and also tapping to the market. Um, where they haven't um, tapped into because as, you, as you've alluded, um, they're mostly serviced in the lower in So it will be an opportune opportunity um, where it allows the, the, the business to grow and diversify and get into the life of the furniture business um, and the bedding business, which currently it doesn't have. Um, it, it, what it currently has is mostly in the in the clothing in the apparel, um, the and um, that we currently buy. So it will just allow that business to grow and further diversify. Um, diversified portfolios um, into markets where it currently doesn't. And maybe down the line, less further so acquisitions um, should the opportunities come around. Mm,
1: mm. And I guess, you know, for Pepco, uh, one might argue that they uh, slowly shedding off uh, the Steinhoff bogey on their back.
0: Yeah, no, they have. Um, um, I, um, it's, it's taken them a while, but um, I think with these... Um, new acquisitions and also some of the strong numbers that have come through um, because um, in May particularly, they um, was oversubscribed, so they did about $2.2 billion oversubscribed by an auction, um, which was an auction which seeks to diversify some of the sources of funding and also to reduce some of the borrowing costs. So it does uh, allow them some opportunities in terms of where these um, do become available for them to obviously um, take um some of those opportunities that become available, um, such as the one that they're looking to um, be the better one of the better for. Um, however, it is a growing company, and I think it is sharing some of the, the challenges that it and experience that it has um, how since the sign of father um, a few years ago. Mm.
1: Akwana, we're going to have to leave it there. This so is always a pleasure catching up with you, and uh, thank you very much for your time.
0: Thank you very much, Adibanka.
1: Akwana Mlamlele is a portfolio manager, twenty seven four investment managers joining us for our wrap of the top business
0: stories.